This is the Hog Kong Football Okay, Hong Kong Football Podcast coming to you from Kowloon, Hong Kong, in a week in which RNF failed to arrive, allowing Zhu Yingji to thrive, Eastern scoring five, Taipo strike late, doing little to placate, Yun Long, who leave the field irate, and Kichi need a plan, perhaps without Forlan, to take on these guys from Japan. We've got a jam-packed edition for you this week. Some big results in the Hong Kong Premier League, including two 5-0s and a real ding-dong in Yun Long. Kichi's match against Kashiwa Reysol in the Asia Champions League this Tuesday. And a slate of Sapling Cup matches coming up this weekend. I, I don't know if that last bit was quite as exciting as the rest of it. Anyway, we are still Hong Kong's Premier Weekly English Language Local Football Podcast. My name is still James Legg, and I am joined... As always, by Tobias Duset. Toby, you went to a very exciting and hot-tempered New Territory derby over the weekend. Yeah, it was absolutely insane. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Yoon Long versus Tai Po. Yoon Long Stadium on Sunday, a proper derby with lots of drama. Seems that Yoon Long and Tai Po are really waking up a proper rivalry in the Premier League, particularly the Yoon Long fans who are probably still venting their anger about this game even as we speak. On a hot and sunny afternoon, Taipo started with Lee Ka Yu up front next to Igor Sartori. Maybe that would make them the smallest attack in the league. <laughs> They're not big men. No, Lee Ka Yu is like 173, what's that in feet? <laughs> <laughs> well, 180 cms is six foot, so he's, he's, he's seven centimeters short of six foot. That's not that small, but I think for a front man it is, yeah. Right, next to Igor Sartori, who is like slightly taller than him. Yeah, it's a bit of a downgrade from Lucas last season. Anyway, great start from Taipo after Dudu scored with a near post header off a Wong Wai corner after just five minutes. After that, the game continued with an extremely high pace. Yun Long lurking for counter-attacks and remaining dangerous throughout, but soon the game got a bit out of control, didn't it, Toby? Yeah, it did. Uh, there were a lot of harsh tackles on either side. And at one point, uh, Alexander Radilovic... He somehow got a boot in his face uh, in a very, very weird incident because the game continued. Uh, Yunlong had a chance to score. The ball was falling to another player, but it just shot uh, right in the arms of Lee Hon Ho. There was no booking for this situation, but Randelovic had to get off and was treated at the side of the pitch. I think he was bleeding out of his nose or something like this for quite a while. And that's when it started. Like It got really wild and very, very quickly. Well, Yun Long equalized right after halftime thanks to a penalty by Everton Camargo, who seems to have been for handball by a typo player who tripped in the box. That's the second game in a row that Camargo has scored from the penalty spot. And emotions went overboard a little later when Leung Kun Chung escaped a second yellow card after a sneaky kick. And then a Yun Long player got sent off instead. Who was that Yun Long player? Yes, it was Uwe Lim for a tackle right in front of the penalty box. Basically, he had to do it to avoid Taipo having a very good chance to score. And yeah, he was sent off, which of course enraged again the Yunlong fans because they wanted to see Leung Kun Chung being sent off a few minutes earlier. And so they already felt treated unfairly at that point and it just still went on. And, and the referee basically lost control at that point. And given that this game was like sliding in these kind of violent festivities... <laughs> Dikao, a few minutes later, he was losing his shit after 
a kick by Jack Seeley. And you know, you know Jack Seeley, right? Like mm. Jack Seeley is this guy who he wouldn't deliberately do this kind yeah. of thing, right? And he he would like go afterwards to the play and try to apologize, but the car was like immediately trying to punch him in the face, <laughs> trying to confront him and was shouting obscenities. And at one point he was like throwing his shin protector to the ground like very angrily, uh, for which he got booked uh, with a yellow card. And there were a few incidents afterwards with the cow involved where the referee then called him particularly to calm down or will be sent off. Uh, interestingly, he stayed on the field. Randelovic was taken off by Tsang Ciudad soon after that. And Randelovic was super angry about the situation as well. Refused to give Tsang a handshake at that point and like, kicked stuff around so that the entire atmosphere was all extremely tense this is a thing that kind of uh, periodically happens in hong kong you have these games that do just utterly fall apart um, i remember seeing a kitschy versus south china game do the same thing that time when boyan malasic was essentially offering a fight to all of the kitschy fans <laughs> not even the players the fans and the, the police had to go and stand on the on the steps into into the um, ground bit of the of the stadium. That was that was ah oh, that was good days. Yeah. Anyway, this game was still happening. It was one all, and on the back on the footballing front, Everton scored from what he does best: a classic counter attack, and he slid the ball past Lee Hon Ho with just ten men. Yoon Long went into time-wasting mode, which was, you, you've told me that it was pretty bad. Yeah, like they started with still 10 minutes on the clock with drawing out corners and throw-ins. And for a spectator at that point, it felt quite of a torture. And speaking of time, the referees and, and the fourth official and linesman, they, they made a bit of a bit of a clangor, really. Yeah, so it was not the best of their days, I guess. <laughs> I think the biggest controversy of this entire game was that they did not show the injury time. Uh, allegedly, the board was broken. In fact, there were some troubles before that because they got the number of the typo players wrong for substitution for three times, and it was like a waste of time as well from the referees. And so they didn't show a board with the minutes, and it was not announced in the stadium either. Uh, it is said that both of the benches were informed about how many minutes have been added, but no one really knew in the stadium. Yeah, so just the game kept going on and going on and going on, and then it was the 96th minute, and here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and then, what was it? Was it a corner? I think it came from a free kick, I believe. It was a free yeah. kick against the box. Anyway, Eduardo Preyas did something that, you know, he does very well, scoring a header, uh, the centre-back for Taipo. Very late equaliser, made Yunlong players very angry. And what, what was the reaction of players and fans? Well, the Yunlong fans, they immediately stormed towards the front of the stands, right, and shouting at the referee, at the typo players, and the players themselves, they were surrounding the referee, and during this discussion, the ref at some point just decided to blow full-time, because uh, there was no point anymore to wait another five, six minutes for everyone to have calmed down, and then the Yunlong players, half of them at least, they refused to give the handshake after the game. Wow. Which is interesting. I'm not sure if there's any penalty for this I would imagine that they by should. the FA. Yeah, they should be. Because other countries do that. Uh, I think UEFA also does that in Europe if you would not comply with this uh, fair play gesture. So you're allowed like, to bribe people. Oh, you are? Yeah, you just you have to shake hands at the end of the match. Right. You're allowed to build stadiums using slave labor and 250 people die, but you're not allowed to skip the handshake. Oh, James, it's <laughs> getting political here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, we are in the AFC, which is, uh, okay, not getting into that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, probably the highlight was that police had to be called in to accompany the referee out of the stadium. And at some point I left the stadium because I, I didn't want to <laughs> <laughs> like, you were stay for the night. Off. No, it's just like it, it felt like it would 
still drag on. And I think until this very moment that we are speaking, Yunlong fans haven't really get over it. So there are still calls for appeal and calls for taking action against Taipo, who allegedly played very dirty. Anyway, I appreciate that we actually have a real, real, real derby here yeah. in the in the mix. So I do too. You know, Taipo beef with a lot of teams. You know, they had this whole thing with HKFC a couple of years ago in mm. Division One, which is funny because I find them to be arguably the most likable team in the league and and yeah oh really yeah. <laughs> the most likable team uh, and obviously i'm alone in that <laughs> in that assessment no you're not alone in that assessment i like typo <laughs> <laughs> some people have said the typo were a little dirty is that accurate put on your neutral hat for a moment is, is that accurate i don't really know because i'm already like supporting sometimes teams who have this very, very physical tactics anyway. I don't mind if teams compensate for the lack of skill with a physical play. It, it felt all right. I didn't think that there were like too many dirty situations going on. So at the end of the day, it was just a good game. Yeah, I think I think there might have been a kind of the whole team had kind of convinced themselves that they were the victims of something. Because especially by the end with the prayers goal, I understand if they have complaints about how long the game went on for, but there's no foul. I think they were claiming a foul on the goalie Chankar Ho was in goal mm. and there isn't one he just doesn't get the ball that's all that happens and that happens a lot <laughs> right um so yeah I, I think yeah they'd obviously lost their heads by that point I, I saw that Zhang Tiotat was very disappointed as he left the pitch and yeah emotions were running high anyway like you say great game and a great new Therachis derby. That's the fourth time that they've met this season and actually it's on as even two draws and a win for both teams Although what's funny is that both of the draws were two all, and even Yoon Long's win in the Senior Shield semi-final was in extra time off a two all draw. So mm. two all draws all round in the wow. Turkey's derby. Uh, anyways, elsewhere this weekend, Southern played Lee Man at the Aberdeen Sports Ground on Saturday afternoon. This was another really good game, competitive, high tempo. I had planned to go to the south of the island to watch it, but then I saw that it was live on the stream, so and it was a cold day. So I stayed at home and I watched it. It was an unusual lineup for Southern, who were without Chase Spitz, without Tesh Raymond, and without their new Brazilian forward, Elias. Michael Luck came in for his first league start since the middle of January, and defender Hoi Wang Fung came in too. But it was Lee Mann who drew first blood. Matt Lamb, on loan from Kitchi, of course, opened the scoring with an excellent goal, nicely struck from 25 yards, and it was looking good for Lee Manshaft. But then their keeper, Felix Luck, starts looking a bit wobbly. In the first half, he came for a long ball, but was beaten to the header by a southern forward and needed Chiu Chung Kit to clear the ball off the line. And Luck had no such luck when the same thing happened in the second half. It was a Hoi Wang Fung ball aimed at southern goal machine Marcos de la Espada. Luck came to beat the big Spaniard to the ball, but that didn't work, and De La Spada headed over him into an empty net to equalise. That was his 10th goal in his last 11 matches, and sadly for the 24-year-old Hong Konger, look, he was at fault again for Southern's winning goal. He did stop a corner going straight into his net, but rather than catch it or parry it to safety, he flapped it straight onto the penalty spot where stood Wellington D'Souza, who pulled out an acrobatic overhead kick to score Southern's Second, the Aberdeen has clung on to their lead to go above Lee Man 
and all the way up to fifth. Good for them. And I think they were good value for their, for their win. But what does it say about the Hong Kong Premier League when a team that can go 10 matches without a win still goes up to fifth? Yeah, I think it tells a lot about what we've discussed about this season, that it's basically separated into three groups. Actually, now four groups. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you have like a one-club group at the top, which is Kichi, and then at the bottom you have Rangers. And then you have like this typo Pegasus race for second place, and the rest is just like everything's possible. Most of the teams there, they have as many wins as they have losses in this entire season. And it's very, very unpredictable of what could happen. Everyone could beat everyone and, at that and, point. And that's a positive thing, isn't it? That it doesn't have to be bad because, yeah, you're right. Anyone can beat anyone uh, except for Kichi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and that's a good thing. And it is interesting that for so long there's been this, it's like a peloton, isn't it, in a bike race. It's just this like mess of clubs between like fourth and ninth. Uh, it's starting to take a little bit more shape, especially after this weekend. Hmm. But yeah, with a good couple of results, teams are going up like five places from the bottom of that group to the top. And it adds an element of competition in the middle there. But it's just a shame that we don't have that competition at the very bottom or the very the very right. top. I do like this bike race metaphor, I have to say. Yeah? Yeah. Tour de Hong Kong. I mean, all the bikes that you see in Hong Kong. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Particularly here in Kowloon. Yeah. Great biking territory. Well known. <laughs> you know, one thing that I noticed also was about Lee Man, that in the last few games, they were always taking the lead, uh, scoring first, usually quite early in the game, and actually also looking quite good, uh, having maybe more of the game in like the first 30 minutes. And then suddenly they concede stupid goals or losing concentration at some point. It's, it's very strange because quality-wise, they actually don't look bad on the field. Yeah, and that's true. They've got good players. There's, I don't think there's any question of that. You know, Chiu Chunkit and Luciano Silva have been good in the Premier League for you know several seasons. Of course, they lost Jordi, but then Matt Lamb, it's, it's a similar quality kind of player. And up front, Dennis Lima on his day can be really good. Stefan Pereira recently has been good. Is it Victor? I, I've been impressed with whenever I've seen him. But yeah, they you're right. They, they took the lead against Kichi and lost that game. They took the lead against what, Pegasus. And, and, and they lost that. They took the lead in this game and they lost it. Uh, in fact, I remember on the first game of the season, they took the lead against June Long and blew that. And there's probably more. And one thing, I think in this game, it is fair to point out that the Felix Duck didn't have the best of matches. He, he, he's probably at fault for both of the goals. But that stuff happens. And um, hopefully he'll be back to his slightly better form next time out. So those were the competitive matches this week. We did also have a couple of routes. I was lucky enough to attend one of them on Friday night at the Moncock Stadium. Easton versus RNF. Easton winning 5-0 to cement their position in fourth place. This was the total opposite of the energetic Southern versus Lee Man match or the hot-tempered Yunlong versus Taipo match. It was lethargic and pretty dull to watch, to be honest. RNF didn't have much to say for themselves other than passing the ball to Ita Parika, who tried and failed to get the ball to Thiago Delianco and Giovanni De Silva in good positions. Eastern were hardly that much better, but managed to convert their chances when they had them. And it was a great performance from Zhu Yingzhi, who got a few assists, which were really nice ones as well. It all started in the 8th minute when Vitor Saba opened the scoring. He scored the rebound after the RNF goalie Zhou Yu Chen spilled a Bruno header at his feet after an eastern corner. Not a good look for Zhou, but it got even worse a minute later when, only 10 minutes into the match, his coach took him off. He didn't look injured, Zhou, so I don't know if his coach was just particularly infuriated with what he did for the goal. Anyway, young Chen Rong, only 20 years of age, came on. And to be frank, he didn't do much better. Just after the half-hour mark, another eastern corner found Bruno. 
this time the Brazilian scored heading straight in. He got another just before half time after a little run into the RNF box. In the second half, Ju Jingji really asserted himself, volleying a lovely ball over the top of the defense for Lei Hong Lim to score, then supplying a great cutback for Mamo Bleeder to do the same. The 31 year old has been heavily involved in Easton's good work in recent weeks. So good for him. And Manuel Blader scoring again. Did you know that he's actually quietly notched up eight goals in all competitions this season? Which is pretty amazing given the limited playing time he had on the pitch. Even exactly. there, right? He was coming off the bench yeah. and then immediately scored. It's, it's been an injury hit season for him. Only nine starts and four games off the bench for last season's second top scorer in the league. But really not a bad return and good for him because I imagine it's been, a, it's been a tough year. RNF just looked torpid. They've invested heavily in foreign-born Hong Kongers like Ita Parika, Godfrey Karikari, Roberto Afonso, and they're not really performing. Thiago Delionco, he looks decent, but and he was putting himself about, but not getting anywhere, really. And Yeah, it's, it's a bit strange, right? Because we have thought that they would easily contest for a good top table finish, like somewhere in the top four, given like the money that they invested, given the okay squad to put together. Well, and be- better than okay, from, from what it looked like to begin with. Right. By Hong Kong standards. You know, Ita Parika was one of the best players in the Premier League when he was at Taipo last season. Roberto Afonso was good, you know, playing well at centre-back. Since then, you know, Giovanni De Silva, he was he won the Golden Boot a few years ago in the Premier League. Obviously, since then, people like Kari Kari and Thiago De Leonco have come in. And yeah, sorry, I cut you off. I mean, I, I genuinely thought they would do a lot better than this. Right, and probably the club also thought so. So they eventually decided to part ways with the coach, Marek Sajic. Oh, he's gone. Right, he's gone and replaced by a Chinese coach. Oh, okay. Well, let's see how that works out for them. Maybe it's a bit late to do anything this season, but maybe if, if, if they're still around next year, they can have a bit more of a push at the Premier League. And Easton's defence has really picked up. That's three clean sheets in a row to go you know, 3-0, 3-0, 5-0 now. And it's a it's a vast improvement on where they were. Yeah, absolutely. And I noticed an interesting thing. The last goal that they conceded was the 1-1, I believe, against, against uh, Yunlong. Yunlong. And at that time, Lee Ho was still on the bench. So even his presence... <laughs> Seemed to have affected the Easter defense in some way. Because since then, he was completely dropped out of the squad. He was not even to be found on the bench in oh. the last three games. And these last three games, Easton had a blank sheet, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, conceded nothing, which is pretty surprising. And I'm wondering, where did Lichi Ho go? I have no idea. Yeah, and it's not bad. You know, um, Clayton Afonso and Yusuke Egawa, after some wobbly performances together, have actually started to pull it together a bit. Obviously, with Zhang Kam To on the right and Wong Ti Ho at left back and Yapong Fai in goal. Good to see because, it, you know, it, was, it wasn't a great start to the season for them. And um, hopefully they can end strongly. The other 5 0 was between Pegasus and Dreams in Ching Yi. We said last week it was. Pretty obvious which way this match was gonna go. Dreams just look to be falling apart, don't the uh, Pegasus coach Yang Ching Kuang still can't decide who he wants in goal. He rotated again with Yun Ho Chun dropped and Leung Hing Kit starting in goal. Nikola Komasec and Jean Jacques Kilama joined Yun on the bench while Yun played pretty much his usual starting 11. Chan Su K and Mahama Awal off. Travis Major up top. Eugene Mboma and Joao Emir running things in midfield. And uh, Wu Chun Ming was screening the defence there. Dreams handed a debut to Aoyoung Yuchung, though it, it wasn't going to be a good bow for him. It all began with a Joao Emir penalty for 1-0. That was after a handball in the box by, uh, I can't remember, <laughs> some Dreams defender. The Brazilian then made it 2-0 with a header. And when he, did you see this? When he landed, he ran kind of celebratorily 
straight into a dreams player. Oh, I, I think it was a uh, learn quite why it was oh, it's no. funny. He just like <laughs> jumps header straight in good header. And then as he lands and runs off, he just clashes straight into, into poor old Leung. Which is insult to injury, surely. Right. By this time, Ao Young had had to go off injured. I it looked like he was he limped off. He was grabbing his right thigh area. Not good. I, I don't know if this is the effect of not having played competitively for a while and coming straight back in. Right. And he was always like troubled with injuries during his entire career. So this is not a good sign, certainly. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed for him because a lot of people in the Premier League are Glad to have him back. After that, Mboma scored. And then Chan scored a lovely chipped finish over Dreams keeper Segar Wing. And of course, that man Travis Major scored late on to make it five. That's his 10th goal in his last nine league matches. So what with Taipo drawing with Yoon Long, Pegasus look a bit more comfortable in second. They're five points ahead of the men in green who are third. And they're eight points off Kichi in first. All three have four games still to go. Toby, I'm sorry to tell you, but I think that's that's the top three settled. So you mean Kichi first, Pegasus second, and Taipo third? Yeah. Well, I do still have some hope because Pegasus still have to play against Kichi. That's a good point. So hopefully if Taipo don't mess it up, they could make up these three points. And then it comes down to the last game of the season, hopefully. But yeah, it, of course, Taipo's in the chasing position now, so it will be tough. You know, I hadn't thought of all this, though. That's a good point. <laughs> it's a good point that you raise. It's still kind of in Taipo's hand. Well, it's not. Because it relies on Kichi beating Pegasus. But I think Kichi will actually still be motivated because they'll want to keep this unbeaten record. And they are still the dominant team in the Premier League. So two very big games to look forward to involving Pegasus. Tough run in for them. But I just think they've been really good so far mm. this season. And we've already decided who we think player of the season is for this year. Even though it's a bit of a boring choice. Last week we decided that um, Marcos de Espada has already scored the goal of the season. I think if we're going to talk about coach of the season, you can't look past Yung Jin Kong. Mm, I think so. Because, you know, let's not forget how mediocre they were last season. They finished they finished eighth. And, you know, there was 11 teams last season. Three of them were extremely bad. And then you had this big gulf of actually a 16-point gap before you get to, to Pegasus. But out of the, the other teams, they were very much the worst. And, well, them and Rangers were very much the worst. And, you know, genuinely, if, if Kichi weren't absolutely beasting it this season, they would be title contenders. And I thought after about five games of this season, they're doing well. You know, they sprung that shock result on the opening day against Southern, and that was a big turn-up for the books. Now, if Pegasus plays Southern, I would say, of course, Pegasus are the favourite. And they've maintained it. They had that disappointing loss against Easton. They've come straight back, and they've won two in a row. And I just think that's really good. They've got a real system. They've got a relative solidity. If there is one thing that they could change for next season what what do you think it would be first of all i would think that they should sign a six foreigner which they still haven't <laughs> there's still some potential you know in in terms of signing and having more depth in the squad other than this i don't know well what i had in mind was a serious number one goalie all right sangman fai well, yeah, Tangman Fai, perhaps. Mm. Uh, they signed his understudy from South China, Leung Hing Kit. It hasn't worked out. Yoon Ho Chun has, has his moments. And of course, he's he's just been brought into the national team squad. And he's much younger than Leung. So there's kind of more room for improvement there. But Young clearly doesn't think he's getting everything he should be getting from Yoon. And I think he would be in a much better position if he had someone who was the number one, undisputed. I think that, that would be one thing that, that Pegasus could really do with. You know, there is another narrative now around Pegasus. I don't want to get too much into it, but it's interesting, I think. Oh, let's get into it. 
But in the last month, Stephen Lowe, who used to be this famous uh, South China chairman, and people credit him for leading to the resurrection of Hong Kong football, basically, by investing heavily in South China, starting with real professional marketing and all this a few years back. And after he got convicted in Macau, right, he took a step back and his wife was taking over Pegasus Is as a chairwoman. Kenny Leung, right? But they got divorced, I think, a few weeks ago. That's sad. And now Stephen Lowe has a much more active role in Pegasus. And he is often seen now in the dressing room, often seen at the games, and seems maybe to take control of the club eventually. And people are very excited about it because he is one who heavily invested in Hong Kong football and did it quite professionally. And maybe this is some kind of side effect now for Pegasus getting his attention in that regard. Just a thought. Yeah, no, that, that's very interesting, and and it is. I like them. I, that's to be honest. I I like a lot of clubs in Hong Kong. I've got. A, I just like Hong Kong football. What can I say? But I do. I do like Pegasus. I I kind Did you of just say typo would be the most likable. Yeah, I said the most likable. <laughs> there's, there's degrees of likability here. So who is the least likable? Let's just like, get it out there. The funny thing is that the least likable team is the one I support. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that sucks. Yeah, I know, man. I'm, I'm sat here in a kitschy shit, like, and, <laughs> and I know they're the least likable. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Because then, you know, there, there are kind of non-clubs, you know, clubs that are very much lacking in identity at the moment, like Rangers, despite all of their history. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got Dreams who, you know, have just been created and they're fun and they've got this kind of online presence, but you don't know even how long they're going to be around. Right. But yeah, it would be very interesting to see. And I think if they can, you know, if, you know what it's like in Hong Kong, players come and go and form <laughs> comes and goes. But if they can keep this squad together, none of them move to Kitchi and and they keep the coach and, and, and things do, maybe they can have a real stab at next year. We'll see. Keep an eye on that one, listeners. Dreams, on the other hand, as I just kind of alluded to, have sunk all the way to second bottom. That's probably as low as they'll fall because ranges <laughs> ranges are even are even worse than they are. But you know, absolute collapse i had so much skepticism i, I thought they were gonna i thought they were gonna finish bottom and then they seemed to have assembled this mixture of these talented uh, mostly spanish imports and young hong kongers and, and uh chan wai ho as well and it, it, there was this kind of alchemy to it and they, they started really well and then they got battered by kitchen then they carried on and, and they were they were up in third and then just as Southern and Eastern have kind of gone up the table. Dreams have just absolutely tumbled. But to their defense, right, I think that they somehow embraced this role of counting on young players, giving them valuable playing time. And I think like just the fact that people like Lam Hinting and Liu Mantik who get playing time there, right, you probably wouldn't see them that often otherwise in the league. And Lam Hinting is the best ethnic Chinese goal scorer still. He is I mean? the best ethnic Chinese goal scorer. So that's fair enough. And I think like, if they even don't have this ambition or this, this pressure that they have to win trophies and being like very, very competitive, similar to Rangers, although Rangers has another background to that. Maybe it's even a good thing to have like one or two of these teams who actually help youth development in Hong Kong to a certain extent. Yeah, and one player you didn't mention is Cheng Long, who did so well for them. And then he gets recalled to Kichi and then he's put back on the bench. Right. Which is, I mean, I obviously I don't know the circumstances uh, the, you know, they, it might be personal. I don't know, but it's not. That's not a great thing, is it? You know, you're playing every week for a team that plays attack and football, and you know he's, he's getting in, he's getting on the score sheet, he's getting assists, and then it's it's back to Kichi to play in the Sapling Cup. Once no, 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 he cannot play in the Sapling Cup because he already represents dreams in there. This is the worst about this. So he can't even play in the Sapling Cup. No. Okay. <laughs> Christ. Okay. <laughs> Poor old Cheng. Uh, <laughs> I, I I hope things go well for him. 
And another person who, who you didn't mention is Sergar Wing, the goalie, who's, what is he, 18? He was 17 at the start of the season. Things aren't going amazingly for him, but, you know, he's, he's, he's had a good run out, especially for a, a man of his age. Just, but to be serious about this, they, they haven't won in eight. They haven't scored in five. So it isn't good. I haven't won in eight. It's still better than Southampton used to be, you know? Oh, did I say haven't won? I meant they've lost all okay. of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have, they have lost all of their last all right. eight. So, yeah. Uh, <coughs> That's a bit different. <laughs> Speaking of bad teams, Rangers didn't play this weekend because their match with Kitchy, scheduled for that weekend, was played weeks ago to ease Kitchy's game load in their AFC Champions League matches with Kashiwa Ray Salt, the second of which is coming up on Wednesday. We'll talk about that after this break. The Hong Kong Football Podcast comes out every Wednesday. You can make sure you never miss our latest show by subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Okay, so Kichi will play Kashiwa Raisol on Wednesday night. This will be at the Hong Kong Stadium, 8 p.m. kickoff. Hopefully they have enough tickets at the box office this time. We were quite encouraged by Kichi's performance last week in the away fixture against Kashiwa. They lost 1-0, of course, but it was a respectable showing and it was a much more encouraging showing than we'd seen in the other group stage matches against Tianjin Chuanjian and Jumbok Hyundai. And that's nice, but there's a real sense of importance to this match, I think, Toby, because this is the best opportunity Kichi will have from the six games to get points on the board. Am I right? Yeah, and you also still have a personal bet on this, right? I do, I do, yeah. <laughs> I've got a personal bet that they will get four points. And yeah, if it's going to happen, <laughs> something has to happen on Wednesday, okay? No, but you're certainly right. I think that's the best chance for them to pick up points. And given the performance that they showed in Japan, there is a realistic chance here. Of course, it will depend very much on how Kashiro Rizal are lining up. What they did at the home game is that they put five of their key players on the bench. So they didn't really start with a full-strength squad. And it will be interesting to see if they dare to do the same in Hong Kong or if they actually go all the way out. And so it's still hard to say if you see like the same strength of a team in the first place. So I'm a bit cautious about this. And we might need to expect that it will be actually a tougher game than, than the away game in Japan. Yeah, I, I totally agree that the home match against John Book was, was just... You know, they were a class above. The, and, and the away games are tough too. I feel as though, yeah, if Kichi are going to get a result and hopefully even three points, this is the night to do it. This or the next home game against Tianjin at the Mongkok Stadium. One of the key issues in that away match in Japan was the lack of action up front. In that Alex Akande and Diego Forlan didn't really do anything, did they? And, you know, it was a flat performance uh, from the two of them and... I have to say, in particular, Forlan, partly just because of, of the reputation and the amount of money that's being paid for him. And he gave an interview, didn't he? Or, or at least an interview was released this week. I listened to it on the Asian Game podcast, which is, is a good podcast for relatively new, I believe. And um, uh, give it a listen, listeners, if you want to want to hear about what's going on in the wider regional football. But in this interview, Forlan was asked, you know, what do you think of Hong Kong football? And how can it improve? How can it learn from the outside world? And he was quite scathing, wasn't he? Yeah, he kept saying that the team has not competed enough or that they don't want to compete. He used that word a lot, didn't he? He right. just kept saying compete, compete. And his English is good, so it's not like he just didn't have the words. And he has a lovely voice. I like listening to it. He's got a good voice. Yeah, he has a very good voice. <laughs> um, we should get him on the podcast. That's kind of... <laughs> 
just to lighten the mood a little bit. But yeah, he, he was very assertive in the idea that it's a mental kind of block and that the Hong Kong teams just don't, to use that way, they can't compete. Which, how did you see that? In hindsight, of course, it's uh, even stranger because Tianjin was also 6-1 down eventually to Chenbok, right? Mm. So the 6-0 defeat might actually not be that of a embarrassing <laughs> match than it maybe was for him at that very moment. But altogether, it was strange because uh, Folan seemed to speak with a kind of authority about Hong Kong football and what he perceived so far is lacking here. And apparently what he identified is this lack of competition and really wanting to win all the time. And he kept comparing it with Uruguay as like this uh, small three million nation that has been outperforming over the last century. And I think it's it's a bit of a strange comparison here. First, I don't think that Kichi is representative of Hong Kong football in itself and the problems that Hong Kong football is facing. Even when it comes to the national team, it copies a certain trend of naturalization, but it's not about the structural problems about Hong Kong football. Even if he asserts an attitude problem to this, uh, it, it's funny because you could also say that the B team of Hong Kong is compensating the lack of skill with this attitude to a certain extent, right? Although their standard might be not enough to, to compete on a higher level. And so I, I, I'm still skeptical about how serious we should take this kind of uh, critique eventually. Yeah, and I was a little surprised by the tone. And on the one hand, pleasantly surprised, he, you know, he wasn't doing the old media trained foreign player comes and says nice things about Asian football you know oh it's not quite there but it's getting better like I can see the improvement you know they're all very technically gifted and all that it's he didn't do that (laughs) but at the same time he kind of went completely the other way and it's probably not ideal to be accusing your teammates of not competing and of kind of not trying and not having the mental capacity to go toe-to-toe with better teams if you're gonna take that much money from the club to turn up and play and then in the big stage actually do absolutely nothing um, so far. I don't know how that's going to go across with his teammates. It's possible he doesn't care. It's also possible that he's correct. You know, I've, I've never played at a World Cup, but I'm just a little surprised by, yeah, the tone and just quite how out there he was given the, the circumstances. Anyway, if you were Kichi coach Chu Chi Kwong, would you change that front two for this game on Wednesday night? So with front two, you mean Falan and Akande, right? Yeah, of course, Fernando starts on the kind of left wing. That, that, that's Kichi's rule. What are my options, really? Maybe I would actually start trying Sandra and Akande up front and bring in Falan in the second half as like a 45 minute or, or like 30 minutes boost where he can just compress his entire uh, strength in like 30 minutes and, and power himself out. Maybe that, maybe that I would do, but then again, maybe that's not what Kitchy want to do at a home game where they expect maybe 12,000 visitors. Yeah, and this is something we've gone on about, but it, it, it bears repeating for every match, which is that Chu might be essentially obliged to start Forlan, even if he doesn't want to. What about Forlan and Sandro rather than Forlan and Akande? Didn't we have this at the Tianjin away game? Yeah, we did. I think it was a little better than... <laughs> I think it was worse, if I remember correctly. I do believe that the, the strength of Akande over Sandra in this situation is that Akande has the speed mm. that Sandra doesn't have. And even if you hope on counterattacks and rely on counterattacks, I, I would prefer Akande over, over Sandra. But that's just, you know, I'm not a coach. <laughs> <laughs> and I should not be a coach. Uh, that is just like my, my own uh, take. But it's interesting though, isn't it? Because defensively, things really weren't too bad last time out. Having Danny Cancela back at left wing back and Lo Kuan Yi 
at right wing back really showed things up and it provided a platform for the forwards to make things happen. It even, you know, it freed up Christian Vadoch a little bit to do that creative stuff that he does and he has in his game as well. It's just that the forwards on the pitch didn't really use that platform. Let's see. Do you think we'll have Fallen and Akande up front again? Maybe. I think that's the thing that Alex Stroh would build on because it worked out better in the last game. And yeah, so you've got Fernando on the left. Of course, Akande is notionally on the right in this situation, but that wasn't really how things worked out against Kashiwa last time. And yeah, and of course you have Vadoch. Still no Huang Yang, so I guess you're going to have Ling Ai Hoi alongside Vadoch in midfield. And then whoever he wants to play at the back, I assume it'll be Helio, Nando, Kim Bong Jin. That sounds good. Let's see how it goes. Uh, last time there were about 13,000 people in attendance to watch Kichi lose 6-0 against John Bok. Do you think they can improve on that? I think I almost certainly no. Yeah, I don't think that they will, but maybe that's the benchmark they could try to reach again somewhere there, but I think it will be actually lower, could be yeah. lower. It's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because the John Book game, people were alive with the, oh, new thing, new expectation, Kichi advertising it all over town, they've got Forlan, and then unfortunately you had this 6-0, which made it look like they were just a bit of a joke, really. And and of course, in that performance, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't great. But like you say, that, that's been kind of put into context a little bit by Tianjin conceding six against the same team. Oh, and speaking of tickets, the tickets for the final group match against Tianjin Chuanjian at the Mongkok Stadium on the 4th of April are on sale. Are they still on sale or have they sold out? I, I, I don't know. So we should check. <laughs> <laughs> Do it now. I, while you're checking on City Line. I managed to purchase some last night, so... Oh, you did? They, yeah, they didn't kind of go in a 10-minute flurry, like, well, I guess they never were going to. Yeah, there are still tickets available, so better buy them now, right when you hear my voice <laughs> telling you, because they will, they will be gone, they will be a sellout, there's no question about that. Almost certainly, I think there'll be a very special atmosphere at that match, I say special, I'm not saying good, it might be horrible, <laughs> but it will be memorable. Always, always a good occasion when the Mongkok is full for a Hong Kong game. I, I, you know, Hong Kong national team, Hong Kong club, and it will be a tough game, but it'll be exciting. And the next year will be a holiday, right? April 5th, I believe. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah. this is on April the 4th, the game. Uh, why is it a holiday? The 5th? Isn't it like Qingming Festival or something? If you say so, Toby. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm getting ahead of myself back to this game. Will Kichi get their first points on the board on Wednesday? Or at least their first goal? You're asking me? Yeah. It, oh, wasn't, it wasn't a rhetorical question. <laughs> it sounded a bit like one. <laughs> I say yes. I think that's taking, again, the, the positive approach here. If not now, then when? They have to pick up the point. And even if it's a draw, I think that will be fair enough. But yeah, it's, it's time at least to score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Get down there. Book your tickets in advance. Because remember, there was a little bit of a, a bit of a cock up at the stadium last time some people had to wait like half an hour for a ticket some people I think got in at half time and some people just left so I, I would I recommend booking advance on City Line and yeah get down there it'll be really good okay so there is a bit of Sapling Cup action coming up this week I sound a bit reluctant to talk about it because, uh, I mean, even even at the best of times, it's hard to get too excited about the Sapling Cup. However, this week is particularly bad. Both of Saturday's matches are dead rubbers. RNF versus Southern in Group B at the Yunlong Stadium, of all places. 2.30 on Saturday. Both sides are out of this tournament. So, so a very meaningful game. So I bet no one can be bothered. In Yunlong, in addition to that, wow. Yeah, <laughs> at least it's not far for the Guangzhou guys to come. 
Uh, well, not, yeah, still a, still a three hours drive, but yeah, it's it's close. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think that's all we have to say about that game. Eastern versus Yun Long. This is in Group A at the Mongkok Stadium. Now, if I told you just Eastern versus Yun Long, Mongkok Stadium, five thirty on a Saturday, you would be so excited. It sounds like a great day. It's a rerun of the Senior Shield final, right? Both teams looking pretty good at the moment, but these teams are both also out of the tournament. So it's a total dead rubber. Also, yeah, funny that they're rerunning the, the final from earlier in the season, but I doubt either side will care particularly. Funny thing as well, that one of Yoon Long's 20-year-old players, Yuwai Lim, was sent off the other day, so he won't be able to play. <laughs> he would have been looking forward to this Sapling Cup game, but... God damn it. Yeah, he, he, won't be, um, he won't be playing in that. So, to the games with something riding on them. They're both on Sunday. Kichi versus Rangers, Group B. Hammer Hill Road Sports Ground. Get down to Hammer Hill. A cult classic of a stadium. There's a lovely little cart noodle place that we've discussed in the past. <laughs> It's not that hard to find. Take the back exit of the stadium, if you will, and, you, and you'll see it. Now, obviously, Rangers are already out. Kichi are currently second on seven points. Pegasus are top of the group on nine and have played all of their matches. So a win would mean Kichi will top the group. So there's, there's something in it for them if they, if they care about topping the group. I imagine they will win this game very easily. Yeah, uh, really no doubt about this. And they probably still win this game easily with a B-side on the pitch. And with B-side here, I still mean that they can pull out regulars <laughs> that you don't see in the ACL. I mean, they don't have a very tight schedule at the moment. It should be easy for them. And elsewhere, the final game of this set of fixtures, Lee Man versus Tai Po, 5.30 Sunday in Ching Yi. So it's a match with a view at the Ching Yi Sports Ground. If Lee Man win, they'll take Dreams' place in second and go through. Dreams have played all of their games and won't have any more say on that front. Tai Po, the Sapling Cup holders, of course, are already through and they're top of the groups. So they don't have too much riding on this game. I think I back Lee Man. I mean, for Tai Po, yeah, they, they anyway will finish first, right? Yes. For them, there's really nothing in there. So they might just play whoever... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so, of course, this is a trophy that Typo will care about. They won it right. last season. It's good for a club of their stature. But, yeah, they're, they're through either way. We know Lee Man will take the lead. <laughs> it's, just well, a, yeah. it's just a question of, of, of what happens after that. That's true. And, and I agree. Uh, maybe this is the win that Lee Man are waiting for, eventually. Maybe. So, yeah, not uh, scintillating games. The big game, of course, to look forward to. This week is Wednesday night's big one. Kichi versus Kashiba Reisol. As you'll notice, listeners, we've brought this out on a Tuesday to get you all of the chit-chat and previews ahead of that game. And we'll be back next week. Until then, take care. Have a good weekend. Hope your team wins. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's a place for you.